Welcome, friends, to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast, where you can catch up on sermons, hear inspiring messages, and be challenged to grow in your faith. We really believe you're in for a good one today as Micah preaches through Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Enjoy. Let's do this. Let's talk about the mercies of God. From chapters 1 through 11, okay? Now, it's not, not everybody's going to be able to read that, I understand, but it's just up here for helpers. Mercies of God. What is something that you've learned from chapters 1 through 11? Now, if I were in your seat, I would not respond. Just know that. But I'm up here. So some of you are very, like, outgoing, and you're like, yeah, I've got one. If you don't say anything, I don't think you're going to hell. Okay, so don't, don't, don't have this like obligation, i got to say something. Does anyone have something that they've learned from chapters 1 through 11? I will, I will put a couple down, that kind of helps us, okay? So, um, let's see, while we were weak, Christ still died. How about that one? Okay, anybody else? Got one? Somebody? I have a list. I got another one. Okay, so, uh, ooh, the gospel's for everyone. The whole part of, like, no, not Jew or Greek, no, it's like the gospel's forever. So, gospel for all. Okay, now somebody's got one. What do you got? Huh? Okay, we'll put that in a different category. Some don't ever get it. How about that? Somebody else? Okay. I'm getting on a knee, Mark. No condemnation. <laughs> Anything else? Mercies of God, 1 through 11. I have a cheat sheet. Oh, this one is so good. Uh, two, two, two more, and if you got something, please, we'll try to scribble it up here. Uh, this one, Jesus intercedes for us. Whew, that's so good, okay? So, Jesus on our side. I'm moving from capitals to singles here. The last one is this. Jesus, uh, God shows no partiality. This one. Nice. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Oh, so good. Yes. Nothing. Nothing. Can. Is it an E? It's an, it's an A with a dot on top. Anybody else? I don't want to take too much more time, but do you got anything? Okay. So this is 1 through 11. There's so much more. This list can be very exhaustive. But 
I want us to kind of have a visual aid for what comes next. Would you go in your phones or in the Bible? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> 11, 1 through 11, here are some of the mercies of God. There's so many more. And if you had specifics in your life where you're, you're talking about that, I had that wreck one time and God came in, the, the mercies, having life, we could put through 1 through 11, I almost guarantee you, your specifics in your world, in your life, hinge on one of these mercies of God truths from 1 through 11. All right. One, one in verse 2, chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, in view, in view of God's mercies, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, due to everything that we've seen, everything that we've witnessed from 1 through 11, Paul is bidding us come. Come and do what? The only thing, the only response possible. And the only response possible is this. He says, this is the only option. Now, this is still possible. Some don't ever get it. But in some ways, that might actually be mercy too. But here it is. This is the one option you get, oh Christian. Now, if some of you, is it spelled wrong? Which one? Thanks. I, I, don't even, I didn't even fit. It doesn't matter. Okay. You're with me, right? Okay. This is the only option, Paul says. Out of all the things you can do, if you read this, if you just read it, that's one thing. But if you study it out, if you go to the depths of it, when it comes out in the wash, this is the only option. This, this is it. When you view that when you were weak, Christ still died for you. When, when you realize there's, there, it's not just for the Jew, but now the Gentile can come in too. When you see those mercies, when, when you realize not everybody gets it, but here you have an opportunity. When you see that God shows no partiality, which actually is a great guideline in life. When you look at all that, this is the only thing that can come from it. Now, he gives some uh, what a living sacrifice is. A living sacrifice comes out with holy and pleasing. A big churchy word would be sanctification. The idea that we're becoming unbent throughout the rest of our lives. We want to become holy and pleasing because we're a living sacrifice. Now my brother said this. He said, now you've heard this from other people, but this is who I heard it from. He said, the problem with the living sacrifice is the living sacrifice continues to crawl off the altar. The problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps on wanting to get off the altar. And you know this to be true. When you became a Christian, some of you, you had friends who then said, why would you do that? You know, I heard of a, of a preacher, a pastor one time at this big mega church, and he got caught up in a scandal, right? I remember being in college I had a professor who would quote this one, I'll say theologian, but just this big wig in the world. And so, in a sense, we became disciples of that big wig, because half the class was quotes from this big wig. And I just, and a lot of it was so good. Don't get me wrong, it was so good. When the guy dies, uh, information comes out. The guy was caught up in, there's more detail, but the basis is he was caught up in the um, massage parlors. 
And we're not just talking about the ones that massage your, your shoulders. What I'm saying is people who we see who have been living sacrifices, it doesn't matter who you are. You still, as a living sacrifice, want to crawl off of this altar. So what is going to, to take, what's it, what's it going to take for us to be able to look at the gospel in a certain light to help us stay on the altar? Now, this is just 101. The, everything I'm going to say, because chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, there's a hundred sermons in these two verses. So I encourage you to go listen, seek out. This is just one-on-one stuff. Okay, so this whole idea about living sacrifice, being holy and pleasing to God, how do we, how do we, how do we get to that level? And I believe the word is gratitude, okay? Gratitude. Gratitude is what gets us, it's what gets us to a new perspective. Because verse 2 says this, don't be confirmed, conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, through testing, you may be able to discern what God's will is. It's holy, pleasing, and perfect will. Gratitude. Gratitude is what gets us to that point. And the reason is, the reason is, is because we have a problem. And the problem is, sometimes as Christians, as living sacrifices, the reason why we crawl off the altar is because we think too highly of ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves. Let me explain that and we've got to move on. The thinking too highly of ourselves, I've, I've said this a few times, but it comes back to the works basis. Now, James tells us it's faith plus works. That it, because of your faith, you, th- you then work. And I would say, yeah, because of gratitude, because you've been the view of God's mercies. With the view of God's mercies, that's why you have gratitude, that's why you're a living sacrifice, and that's why you're becoming holy and pleasing and acceptable to, to the Father. Now, Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. Why? Because we go back to the flesh. We believe that if I stay away from, if I do X, Y, and Z, if I live up to this standard, then God will accept me. It's a dead end. But then there's also this one. We think, oh, my past and what I've done, no way could God take a wretch like me. We, we have to get rid of these. And the reason is because when we take that, when we take that mindset of how could God love a, he couldn't possibly, and I'm talking about for the Christian, the person who's like, I'm not so sure about this, let's deal with that stuff. But I'm talking about if you're a Christian, you, we need to level up. We need to get out of this. Because in view of God's mercies, how dare you Slap Jesus in the face and say, your sacrifice, it, for him, yeah, but because of what I've done, I think I need to crawl up on that cross with you. Are, are you with me? It, it's, a, it's a slap in God's face. So we, we need to eliminate these two, and we eliminate those two with, with gratitude. The reason why gratitude is because it comes from a posture that there's nothing that I could have done to get where I am without help. And it leads us back to focusing on the mercies of God. 
And so when we come with a heart of gratitude, we go back and we rehearse the mercies of God, 1 through 11, and then we come back to the whole idea of, I am now a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship. So up here, singing songs, sure, but it's so much more. It's in spirit and in truth. Do I have time for that? The second part, the problem that I have with this is in the second part, and perhaps some of you are in this camp as well. It says this, no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This right here and this right here, those are the patterns of this world. Thinking too high of yourself and also thinking seriously too low of yourself because both of them stem from a term called pride. Once again, not enough time. There has to be this renewal of mind. There has to be this mental transformation for us to stay on the altar. Sometimes the only thing in life that we are trying to do is stay on the altar. But I want us, and I hope to springboard us by the end of this, for us to get to a place where our goal is no longer just trying to stay on an altar and not crawl off but for us to position ourselves on the altar in a sweet spot. So here's the next part that it rocks my socks in a, in a, in a, in a rough way, okay? And it's, it's this. What do I do with that? <laughs> that is, because uh, there's only like a couple places in the Bible. Uh, I think it's 2 Thessalonians 4. Um, Hebrews 6, I believe, here in Romans 12, and there's other places, and you get to see God from different vantage points, him working out his will. But his will, there's something about it. There's something about that it's good, it's good, uh, pleasing, uh, acceptable, and this last one, this is, this is everything. And perfect will, okay? Good, pleasing, and perfect will. No one thought it was funny. God's will is, it's difficult for me still. Okay, 31 years old. This part's still hard for me. Perhaps you're in the camp with me. And so I invite you into that camp, but I don't plan on staying long, and I hope you don't either. Some of you have been living life quite a bit, and not just life, but living a Christian life, and you have received the key and have unlocked it in your life, individually, that this is no longer scary for you. But perhaps you're like me, and you don't even really want to touch that. God's will. Let me put it this way. Some of us are, uh, we're okay with God's will as long as it has to do with our own will. For, for instance, some of us have gone to certain places and been compelled, and I would say by the Holy Spirit, to 
sell all we possess and give to the poor. You understand what I'm saying? We, some, some of us in here, you have, um, perhaps you've been missionaries in foreign fields, and you're like, I'm sold out for God. Some of you have, been, have thought about it, and just in that thinking of it, I think we're moving in, in probably some good directions. For some of us, we stay in our seat, and we don't really move, and the reason is because we say, God, what is your will for my life? And we're not asking, what does the Bible say in a broad sense of it? We're saying, no, what about the details? What about the specifics, okay? Give me, give me those. What we're doing is we're saying, God, if you just give me a PDF file, if you just give me a PDF file of every step, oh, boy, will I ever, I'll, 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 I'll live it out, doctor's orders to the T, and just give me the PDF, I had a professor in college, and he said, Micah, that's how he talked, Micah. He said, I never had, I never looked out into the baseball field at the college, the college. I never looked out of the baseball field at the college and saw a burning bush. Any of you? Did you ever have a burning bush? Wow. Moses gets one and I don't. What's up with that? Have you ever been to that point? Like, seriously, God, if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. I mean, seriously, I, I, I'll give you all my materials. I'll give you all my things. I'll give you, I, I, I won't divorce my spouse, but man, I'll do anything. You see what I'm saying? Like, anything in your will, just give me the specifics and I will, I'll, I'll live it for you. I, I, seriously, I'll do it. And for some reason, God keeps that file hidden from you. You find that frustrating? The problem is some of us don't just find it frustrating, it actually cripples us. And we never, we never make a move. We just, we, we, we never make a move. This whole God's will thing, it's good, pleasing, and perfect. But if God gave us in full HD his plan, all the details, problem with that is God's will God's will it crushes it's just the truth of it I'm, 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 I'm thankful that I've never dabbled in Ouija boards I thought about it I'm glad I never have and the reason is I, I don't believe Knowing the future, if in any way that that's possible, will ever benefit me. Because if I knew what the future had to hold, I, I would neglect a lot of things to make sure that that happened or that that didn't happen. Are you with me? I'd try to alter it. If God gave me a PDF file of all the details, here's the problem. It would crush me. It would crush you. And the reason is, is because of pride. You know what's great? Church is great until you put a person in it. They somehow find a way to screw everything up, don't they? I mean, a family? Family's great until you put a person in it. They somehow find a way. You understand what I'm saying? Humans, am I right? They are the worst. They are the worst. 
if, if you received that file from God, it's all fine and dandy. But when you put yourself into it, guess what? You're going to screw it up. Why? Because you're human. The only one that was able to receive a PDF file and actually make it through was not you. And so here's what happened. You get that plan and you say, okay, I got this. You live it out. It probably wouldn't take long before you'd be saying something like, what was I thinking? Why did I let that go? Where's this going to take me now? And so you'll find it crushing because you couldn't live up to the standard. And then what will happen is you'll look at God and you'll be like, how in the world could you let this happen? And you'll shake your fist at him. Why? Because who do you think you are telling me the future? You knew I couldn't handle this. Why? Do you understand what I'm saying? I had a friend. Uh, they had a kid. He was 12 years old. And the mom in the country let him drive home. And then they were parking the car. And then he parks in the driveway. But then he does that whole... I don't know, you find this in certain age groups in our society, but they don't know what the foot pedal is for the gas and the brake. Are you with me? And the 12-year-old, he, he found the, not the brake, but the and he slams into their other car. And, and the mom's thinking, what, what, did you, what did you do that? And his response was, why would you let a 12-year-old drive? Are you, are you with me? Totally flips it. That's, I'm, I'm not kidding. The, 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 when we look at ourselves as child to father, and we receive a PDF from God, that's what you'll get. Because you're human and you're going to screw it up. And when that happens, you're going to either blame yourself so low that, that God's riches can't pay for you, or you're going to lift yourself so high and say, what kind of God would let me? You see what I'm saying? God's will has... Tons of specifics. So much detail. But it's very scary for that file to land in a human's hands. Especially my own. So, how do, how do we stay on this living sacrifice altar and not continue to crawl off? And also, be okay. Because it's one thing to hear a sermon and be like, alright, I'm okay, but we're all going to go to our places and in our corners and we're going to be like, so God, what's, 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 what's your will for me? You know, where are you working here? Because I just don't understand why you allowed X, Y, and Z to happen when you're such a good God. And we're trying to please you, God, and be in love of your will. And it's perfect. And here it is. It seems like evil is just surrounding our camp. You, you with me? So what's your will? I believe we find it in changing our, our relationship. Now, I don't believe I'm here yet. Remember I said I'm still in this circle. And some of you I invited into it. So don't try to jump out yet. Some of you, though, you've gotten to this place, and it has freed you. Now, I'm not talking about freedom like salvation, because if you're with me in this camp, Jesus has us, the mercies of God. But some of you have, you've, you've, it's like you've unlocked the door, and you've stepped right through. And that's where I hope that all of us will level up to. And this does not happen overnight. The word is, I'll just put it here for fun. Friendship. Is that how you spell friendship? If I wrote in smaller letters, I would know how to spell. But I'm really trying to write in capitals to help everybody 
know what I'm writing, and then I forget how to spell. Doesn't matter. I'm showing my ignorance. Friend, friendship's the key, though. Some of you, I've said that a lot, but it's true. Some of you have had children and perhaps planning on having some more. And you have experienced what some of us have yet to experience or may never experience, and that's fine. But it's the whole parent-child relationship. And you've correlated that with God the Father and God the Son. And you're like, oh, I knew the gospel, but once you held that little one for the first to that whole thing, it's like it exploded from what I've heard. It just exploded. Some of you find that true? That you just have this a deeper connection? Okay, great, you're with me. The Bible gives us relationships to help us navigate in life. But I don't think, I don't think the, the father-son relationship for us to God is the highest one. I believe it's friendship. I, I definitely don't believe that um, shepherd sheep is also the highest one. No, I, I believe it's friendship. I don't believe that the, um, even the spouse one is. Now, Revelation at the end, yes, it talks about this great wedding feast. Yes, 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 yes. And the groom, Christ, and his bride is not you. If you think that you were married to Jesus, you are wrong. And if some of you are single because you're like, I'm just married to Jesus, please quit saying that. Because you are wrong. You are not married to Jesus. The church is the bride. You're a part of that church, yes, but it's not an individualistic marriage. Are you hearing me? But there is something that he invites us to that I believe is greater for the individual, each individual, and that's friendship. The night before Jesus was to be betrayed, they're celebrating the Passover. Uh, and they had been doing that for years and years and years, but this time Jesus institutes something called we call it the Lord's Supper. I doubt that he went, now it's called the Lord's Supper. No. Uh, but he gave us some bread. He, the juice and the cup now represents grace. In the midst of all of that, at some point, Jesus says, looky here, fellas. No longer do I call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But tonight I call you friends. A fr friend knows what his friend is doing. That changes everything. The reason why it changes everything is because Jesus, I don't like to use the word invite, but that's the best word I got for it right now. Jesus invites us to a friendship. A friendship with God. There was one person that it said, from what I remember in the Bible, it's called that Noah was counted as a friend of God. That's not me. Yet. And for some of us in here, we're still in that camp. For some of you, perhaps you've, you've gained that. Let me tell you about friendship. Now, this is a whole other sermon later on, but just a little bit. Friendship does this. Friendship knows how the other person works. Friendship knows how the other person talks. The friendship, friendship between two people, understand what they say and what they don't say. And so whenever that person hears what their friend said from, through a, a third party, they can filter and go, mm, that doesn't sound like Roger. Roger doesn't say that. Or, yeah, that sounds like Roger. Man, 
And Roger would say something like that. Are, are, you, are you with me? Are you with me? Friends, 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 what they do. In the high moments, there's joyful embrace, festive. They are there doing life together. But also, friends, when life turns the other way and, I don't know, baby doesn't survive, those two friends are cheek to cheek, beard to beard, as tears roll down both faces. You understand what I'm saying? Friendship is that leveling up. To, to, to say that we could have a friendship with God, that's pretty lofty. But Jesus said this, no greater love is there than a man lay down his life for his friends. What's this mean? That means you with your kids, you go to work. Why? Because it's your obligation, it's your duty, it's your responsibility to feed them. Yeah, it is. You gave up your body to have a child. Yeah, you did. You give your body to, 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 to make money. To fit. Yes, you did. Or how about the spouse, face to face? You made a covenant, a commitment. You signed on the dotted line, left or right. You jumped into that with friends. It's voluntary. You never sign. There's a common goal, a common purpose. There's a mission. There's a, I see what you see. Let's go. It's shoulder to shoulder. You see in this? And so why does Jesus say there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends? Because you do it because there's no obligation. You do it because you rather do nothing else. This is all too quick. But when, you, when a person gets to that sort of level, here's what happens. When you're on this living sacrifice altar, and you're watching God's will take place, you're not, and you're praying to him, you're no longer caught up on the details. You're so tight-knit to God that you don't, you don't, you don't you're not concerned about his, uh, his methods anymore. You've gone beyond the whole, God works in mysterious ways. You're like, yeah, he does. I just can't wait to see how he does it this time. You're no longer concerned with the details. Why? Because you trust your friend so much. Why? Because that friend never gave up on you. The problem is, some of us had had friends who gave up on us, or we gave up on our friends. But Jesus says, hey, I'm the ultimate friend. And I proved it for you. So here's my will. And what's my will? To do what my father wants me to do. And what's that? To give his life for his friends. And so what did he do? He did that. For you and me to understand God's will, we can get to the point where the details don't matter to us anymore. His methods of how he does it, the means, the material, we say take whatever material you want. Why? Because I don't care, I don't care about how you do it anymore. I just, I just wanna have a good vantage point of watching the master work his craft. And at any time that he says, Mike could get up here and hold the flashlight. I was hoping you would ask. Again, thank you so much, friends, for tuning into Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We pray you are encouraged and blessed. And until next time, grace and peace to you.